we're continuing in our series, Shine. It's Difference Makers for Kingdom Impact. And as we look at this, we recognize that people that want to make a difference in this world, what they're really saying is, I want my life to shine for the glory of Christ. I want to be the very light of Jesus Christ in this dark, dark world. And so we want to talk about the things that make a difference as we live out our Christian life. But of course, as you know, we're in a series also that's addressing light for the future. So on one hand, we're talking about difference makers, but on the other, we have this idea of light for the future. And the question is, what, what, what links these together, right? So we know that difference makers want to shine bright in the world, but we recognize light for the future. And as we think about light for the future, we all know what it is. We probably could say it together, couldn't we? It's a five-year, two-phase campaign, right? Phase one is to eliminate the debt that Fox Valley Church has carried, and then phase two is to build a ministry center. And so as we look at shine, and as we look at light for the future, what is it that links them together? And we feel this tension, because some of you are saying, well, is this about money? Well, yes and no. If I say no, then you're going to say, well, how do you eliminate debt without money? <laughs> right? You can't. So, of course, there's this tension in the room, but we know, too, that it really isn't all about money. So, is it about money? Well, yes and no. Now, what do I mean? Let me try to give you an illustration. If we were going to bake a cake, if we were going to bake a cake, you would probably ask a question like, why are we baking a cake? Well, we want to bake a cake to honor so-and-so. We want to honor our mother. We want to honor our grandfather. We want to honor somebody. So we're going to bake a cake. So we answer the question, why? Then you start asking the question, well, what kind of cake are we going to make? Is it going to be a chocolate cake, a vanilla cake? What kind of cake are we going to make? But what you probably wouldn't ask, what kind of tools are we going to use to make the cake? You're probably not going to ask, are we going to use a big bowl or a little bowl? Are we going to use this spatula or that spatula? Are we going to use a KitchenAid mixer? Are we going to use a hand mixer? Right, you probably wouldn't ask that. Well, why wouldn't you? Well, because usually we don't talk about tools in the same way that we talk about why and what. Well, that's what we're doing as we link these two together. Money is a tool. So when we ask the question, why are we doing light for the future? We're doing it because we want to have a kingdom impact in our community. We care about people that are far from God. We care that people are growing in Christ. We care that people are learning how to surrender to the plans and purposes of Jesus Christ. So we want to do that. You say, well, why is all this tied together? Well, you'll have to take this by faith, but it is true. A number of years ago, I ran a marathon. I told you you had to take it by faith. <laughs> so here I am. It's, it's about 28 degrees the day that I ran the marathon, at least at 8 o'clock in the morning, my start time. 
And so as we got to the starting line, I was just robed in sweats. Why? To keep warm. But as soon as we started running, what did I do? I stripped off all of these warm-ups, and I got down to my running shoes, my shorts, and a t-shirt. We have to eliminate these things that encumber us. And right now, as I shared last week, this debt that we've carried is like running a marathon, not merely in warm-ups, but in soaking wet (laughs) warm-ups. It's a drag. And so as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, when you run a race, don't you run to win the prize? Of course you do. Of course you do. You, you, you run to win. Whether that win is to be in first place and take the million dollar purse, or whether it's just to finish the race, right? That might be your win. And so what we're doing at Fox Valley Church is we're recognizing that we now have some things that have handcuffed us. And if we're going to be people that make a difference, we have to start eliminating anything that would hinder us having maximum impact in our community. And right now, our first phase is to eliminate the debt. Notice I don't use the word reduce the debt. We're trusting God, we're believing God to eliminate this encumbrance that has hindered the race that is set before us. So as we think about this, we're recognizing that we have to make some changes, and that's where we're going. That's what links up, shine, people that want to make a difference in this world, and people that are committed to light for the future. So they're linked up, and that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. Now, as we do this this morning, I want to ask two questions. And here is the first questions. You heard we're going to talk about prayer. What do difference makers know about prayer? What do difference makers know about prayer? Last week, we said difference makers know about the kingdom and the importance of the kingdom, the significance of the kingdom, why we're in this. Well, this morning, we recognize that people that want to make a difference in this world are women that pray, are men that pray, students that pray, families that pray, and importantly, churches that pray. Now, where does all this go? Well, as I look at it, there's several things uh, that I'd like to talk about in terms of prayer or what uh, difference makers know about prayer. And so in John chapter 1, and and I'm going to give you this list of three things that difference makers know about prayer. And the first one just comes out of John chapter 1. Let me just read this. Uh, that prayer is the lifeblood of difference makers. It's not an optional thing. When I say it's a, a difference maker, 
It's the lifeblood. If you don't have the blood, you die. So in John chapter 1, it says this. You don't even need to turn there. I, just, I want you to, to just follow along with my thinking here. Not complicated. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. Real, authentic, eternal life. It's in Christ. That's why in just a few verses later, John writes this in verses 12 and 13. He says, Yet to all who received Him, Jesus, the one who is life, to all who have received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then he says one of the most profound things in Scripture. Children born not of natural descent. You're not born into the family of God. He says, not of human decision. As much as we like to talk about the power of the human will, he says, it's not by that you become a child. He says, or a husband's will. It's not that you can procreate yourself into the family, but you must be born of God. That is profound. Why? Because if Jesus' life you have to have His life in your soul. That's what it means to be born again. The life of God is in our souls. Powerful truth. The eternal living God transforms our hearts. He changes us from the inside out. Difference Makers knows as soon as that happens, you want a direct line with God. And isn't that what prayer is? It's the opportunity, because the Spirit of God lives right inside you, you now have a direct line to God the Father. Jesus Christ opens the door because His life is in you. Many of you probably know that different presidents of the United States would have very, very limited access. Hardly anyone can get to the White House, right? You, you really have to be scrutinized and tested to get in. But there was a time when it was less guarded, but still guarded. But if a child of the president said, I want to go see my dad, they had access, immediate access to the president. That's what we have through Jesus Christ, is that this access through Jesus Christ because we have been born again. Now last night was partly because of a long day yesterday with the funeral and, and partly just all the spiritual warfare that I felt. I, I went home, and, and I was fatigued. I was emotionally drained. I was spiritually drained. And I, I found myself just slipping into a funk as I sat in my family room last night. 
And I looked at my fireplace, and the fireplace was cold and dark and empty. That's what it's like before you're born again. And then I made a fire. And that fire got hotter. I threw on bigger logs, and it just got brighter and warmer. And that is what a person that is a true child of God is like. There is now a fire in the fireplace. And as that fire begins to burn brightly, you want to connect with the one who gave you life. It's the lifeblood. Now, as I think about prayer, there's different ways to talk about prayer. Sometimes we just define prayer as like talking to God. Yeah, it is. But I want to take it into a little more intimacy and use phrases like it's communion with God. It's, it's being in the presence of God. How much more intimate can you get than the Holy Spirit living inside you, regenerating you, making you alive to the things of God? His Word all of a sudden becomes energizing and powerful. It's walking and talking with God. Everything you do is connected to God. That's why the Apostle Paul says, pray all the time in the Spirit. That's what he says in Ephesians 6.18. Or pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians, right? There's a sense where you want to be constantly communing with God the Father. It says to devote yourselves to prayer. Difference makers know this about prayer. I need to be in connection, in relationship, tightly with my Heavenly Father. But there's a second thing that Difference Makers knows, and you can see it there, is that prayer increases shine. It increases our shine, right? Our, our theme verse for life for the future is if you pour yourself out. For who? For the people far from God. In Isaiah, he calls them the hungry. Those people that may be physically hungry, but more importantly, spiritually hungry. They're looking for some truth in this world. When everything else is pulling apart, God says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry... Give yourself to those who are oppressed, those who are in bondage, those who thought they could find life in sex or in drugs or alcohol or work. God is saying, it's never going to work. But then he says, if you do these things, then you will shine. Well, we need to know what the Father is doing. And so prayer increases our ability to be that bright light in the world. Difference makers know that. Difference makers know that God is on the move and they want to align themselves with what God is doing. But there's a third. And this is the one that should stop all of us in our tracks. And it's that prayer changes things. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 Verse 2, it says this, You lust and you do not have. And then skipping a little bit, it says, Because you do not ask. Let me just read that part again. 
you do not have because you do not ask. Now just pull back just for a moment and think about what God established in prayer. You and me, by praying, can bring about something that does not exist. You do not have, it does not exist, because you do not ask. Whoa! Difference makers are people, women and men and children and students and families and churches that recognize that prayer changes things. It's powerful. It moves. Jesus was here on the earth. He was talking to His disciples and He's in the upper room. He's in the final hours of His life. And He says, until now, you have not asked for anything in My name. Ask and you will receive. Wow, see, that, 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 that's a direct line. In Jesus' name, He's the one that gives us access. I can't give you access. Jesus gives us access. That's why we got to be born again. That's why we want to keep staying connected so we'll shine. And then he goes on and says, you have not asked in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. So just pause for a moment. What is it that you're asking God to do? What is it you want Him to do? What is it you want Him to change? What is it that's lacking in your life that you need Him to do? You can't do it yourself or you would do it. No one else can do it or you'd ask Him to do it. If it costs money, you would pay. I'm talking about the things that we can't do. God says, I can do it. Ask. That's the power of prayer. And people that want to make a difference in this world know that prayer changes things. Now, I'm just going to tip my hand. Next week, I'm going to talk about the Word, that difference makers know the Word, understand the Word. But Jesus said this in John 15. He said, if you abide in me... In other words, if you're connected to me, if you're a born-again person, and the Spirit of God is dwelling inside you, you've got a fire in your fireplace, it's burning bright. Oh, by the way, when I took a log out and put it to the side, and took the other log out and put it to the side, and took the other log out and tilted it up because I was going to bed, guess what happened to the fire? It went out. Too many believers are trying to live by themselves. We need each other. Not to be too crazy here, but you're a log. And I'm a log. And when we pile these logs together, you get what you call a bonfire. And too many Christians are trying to live life on their own. You can't. God never intended it. But now let me get back to abiding, right? If my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Whoa! We can make things happen 
because we prayed. Do you believe that? I mean, really. Now, certainly it's got to be in line with God's will. And that's the problem. Even in James, he says you ask with the wrong motives. It's all about you. But that's why we started last week about the kingdom. we got to be in line with what God said he's going to do. He's really not that interested if you live in the nicest house on the street. It's not that it bothers him. It's just not the thing he's after. It's not the biggest deal to God if you're driving the latest model car. Nothing wrong if you are. It's just not what he's after. Nothing wrong if you're wearing the latest styles. But it's just really not what he's after. What he's after is what we talked about last week. Building the kingdom. And Jesus said... It's going to start small, and it's going to grow. And for 2,000 years, it's been growing. And I don't know about you, but I get more excited every time I read a report about the expansion of the church in other parts of the world. It's electrifying what God's Spirit is doing, drawing people from every ethnic group, every tribe of the world, just pulling them into the kingdom. That's where God's going. And we want to align with Him. That's why Jesus, on the night, remember, in the garden, what did He do? He prayed. And He said, Father, if it's possible, remove this cup. Well, that was His will, in a sense. Who would want to be crucified? But what did Jesus do? He turned that. And He said, not my will, Father, but your will. That's what we need to do. Pray according to his will. So difference makers know these three things. Prayer is their lifeblood. Prayerless Christians are often dead Christians. Their lights will not shine. Difference makers know that their prayer increases their shine, their light and their brilliance in the darkness of the world. And prayer changes things. Prayer truly, truly changes things. Well, Jesus wanted you and me to know how to pray. Jesus did several things. One, He was connected to the Father We know that that he was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit controlled him. Several times we're told that Jesus was filled with the Spirit so that he could be in direct connection with the Father. And then he modeled it. Over and over, he slipped away to be alone with his Father. And then his disciples, the people watching him, where'd Jesus go? Oh, he went to talk to his dad. You know what they said to him? They said, teach us, Jesus, how you do this. Now, we're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, this is where I want us to dig into the Word today. 
And I want to ask the separate second question. What can we learn from Jesus' model of prayer? I call it a model because Jesus was just giving us a structure, a pattern in which you and I could pray. There's prayers throughout the Scripture we could have studied, but here's one where Jesus used this one. And he used it in Luke also when the disciples asked him, hey, would you teach us to pray? So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, pray then like this. This is Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now the context of this in Matthew, we don't have time to go look at a lot of it, but what Jesus did was he said, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Right Earlier in there, he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't, don't go on the corner and let everybody see how prayerful you are. And then he said, and by the way, don't use a lot of words. You don't use a lot of lofty words. You ever get in a prayer meeting and someone just has diarrhea of the mouth? <laughs> That's a terrible way to say it, but I mean, come on. There's a time when we get alone in our prayer closet. Now, I've got two places where I connect with God. I just lied. I have three. But when it's cold like this, I have two. Because my third one's out on my back patio. And I love going on my back patio because it faces east. And in the summer, while I'm out there in the quiet morning, and it's just still... I can be with the Lord and watch the sun come up. And it's beautiful. And I get to pray for you. I get to pray for my family. I get to pray for my kids. I get to pray for their marriages. I get to pray for my grandchildren. It's beautiful. I have another place where I pray. I pray, I pray, I've got a chair up near a window in our house. And I just sit there when it's cold outside. <laughs> And it's dark, and I wait for the light to come and the sun to start to rise, and I'm connecting with the Lord. The third place, I have an office in my house in the basement. So those are the three places I connect with God. Three main places. I just sit with the Lord. Beautiful times. Just beautiful times. Tell you where I find it hard to pray. My office here. <laughs> So, let's look at the model prayer real quickly. Difference makers. So, it starts out like this. It starts out like this. Our Father in heaven. God is our heavenly Father. That's the first thing we got to know. We got to know we have a Father who is in heaven. Notice the word Father. Now, you and I, we're used to it. We just sang a song not too long ago about Father. Do you know how jolting that was to the disciples? The Old Testament, fatherhood was not a big theme. It's not that it can't be found, 
It's just not a dominant theme. And here Jesus comes on the scene and he says, call him Father. Remember what he called him in the garden? I'm going to teach you some Aramaic this morning. Abba. Translated Daddy or Papa. A more familiar term. And Jesus calls God his Father. And he says, I'm going to teach you. Call him your Father. How beautiful that is. How beautiful. There's intimacy. There's connection. We see this a few times in Scripture. In Romans 8, we see it again in Galatians 4. Abba, Father. My dear Father. My my Daddy. And then he calls them our. Notice the sense of community. We're in this together. And then he says in heaven, that's not a throwaway phrase. What he's telling the disciples is this one stands over the whole world as God and as King. That's what it means when he says in heaven. He's the one who created the universe. He's the one who rules it all. That's who you're talking to. So when you pick up the phone, who you calling? The one who made it all. The one who resides over everything. The one who's in heaven. Don't trifle with this God. Don't act like he's some puny God in the corner. This is the one that when you ask him, he can make a difference. <laughs> he can change things. He can bring into existence those things that are not in existence because you asked him. That's the power of that little phrase, our Father who is in heaven. Look at the next set, section here. This God is worthy of all worship, right? He says, hallowed be your name. This God is holy. That's what hallowed is. It's, it's God that is holy, holy, holy. There is no one like Him. No one like Him. He stands outside of all other beings. That's the worshipful God that we're seeking after. He says, hallowed be your name. When it uses the phrase name, it's just a way to say God. Like, this is the one we're talking about. Holy is this God. Like in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy. The only attribute of God that's used three times like that. But then he goes on and he says, your kingdom come. Isn't that what we talked about last week? Jesus was zealous and jealous for the kingdom. So we should pray that the kingdom come. I regret, and I say this over and over, that I have only one life to give for Jesus Christ. I've only got one. And guess what? You've only got one. What are you going to invest in? And Jesus is just drawing us in. Pray that the kingdom would come in its full and final form. Because that's where we're going to spend eternity. With the king in his kingdom. Pray that his kingdom would come. His rule, his reign would be seen by all people everywhere. When he returns, everybody will know he's king. There will be no one in doubt. Let's move. He says, and your will be done. He says, in as it is in heaven, also on earth. There's no rebellion in heaven. There's nobody saying, like we see in the church today, eh, I don't know if I want to be obedient. Eh, I don't know if I want to do what God says. That's not God's will in heaven. In heaven, everyone's going to be, yes, sir, 
Let's do it. Bring it on. Let's make this happen. And we'll be busy doing the work of God all through eternity. We're not going to be sitting around playing harps. I promise you that. We're going to be doing what God created us to do for all eternity. And it will be with the biggest, goofiest smile on your face because you're going to have so much joy doing it. That's what God's will is in heaven. It's filled with joy and energy and excitement. Do you love to paint? Oh, the creations you're going to make in heaven. Do you love to sing? Oh, the voices you're going to hear. Do you love to draw? Oh, just go on through. Do you like to sculpt? Do you like whatever you want to do? You'll be doing it to the glory of God, and it'll be with this goofy smile on your face because you're going to say, wow, could it get any better? And you know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up the next day, and it's going to get better. And it's already awesome. We cannot fathom the joy that there's going to be in heaven. But then we move to a place, now that the tone is set, God is the Holy One, He's our Father, He's in heaven, His name is glorified, God cares about our needs. Now we're ready. Now we're ready. I know who I'm talking to. I know what He's about. I say, Father, I've got some needs take care of my daily bread. Now, we don't live that way today. I've been in cultures, though. Maybe you've visited cultures. They wake up in the morning. They don't know where they're going to eat. They don't know what food they're going to have. I've shared with our body. Let me just share this again because it's really touched me. It was Kathy and I were visiting another country. And you know how you haggle for prices? I was haggling over some silly blankets to save a dollar. That's the American way. Capitalism. The guy gave in. He relented. He gave me my price. And I was in prayer. I just felt the Spirit of God just saying, yeah, you gave him his daily bread. Do you think you could have given him an extra dollar for maybe another five loaves you see we've got to be in line with what God's doing we don't live like daily bread but there are some people in the world that do but we still have physical needs and that's where God's going then he takes us to this place of forgiveness we can have a place to remove our guilt and our shame when we fail God when we fail to love our neighbors when we fail to love our kids when we fail to love Where do you go? Jesus says, go to your Father. And then he says, forgive others, just like you want to be forgiven. Now when we pray this, God isn't saying, hey, sweep their junk under the rug. What he's saying is, I'll take care of it. When you forgive, God's not forgetting. God's just saying, would you just let me take care of this? Just read Romans 12. He says, vengeance is his. So when you've been hurt, and you have been, when you've been pained, when people have dissed you, and you want to lash out, God says, forgive. Turn the other cheek. Cancel it. Let it go. And what that just means is, I'll take care of it. 
I got this one. Be freed up. Why carry the weight of a burden or hate in your hearts? And then he says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, spare us. That's a good prayer. Don't, don't, don't bring too much hardship into my life. Life's hard enough, God. Just hold it. And then if it comes, deliver me. Set me free. So, let me just close. As we pray for light for the future, we want to pray with this model prayer because Difference Makers knows prayer changes things. So let me give you just three things. Here's the first thing. You got to have a place. You got to have a place where you meet. Don't you do that with friends? Hey, could we go meet over at the coffee shop? Hey, could we meet at the restaurant? Oh, let's meet at the park. You got to have a place. Where are you going to meet with Jesus? Do you have it in your mind right now? Because if you don't, you're not going to meet him. You're going to do what we call popcorn prayers. You're just going to lob stuff out. But if you want to just sit with your father, he's ready to sit with you. Then you got to set a time. This week, I look on my calendar. I got several appointments set up, right? Just like you do. And I got to be there at a certain time. At 10 o'clock, I got to be here. 9 o'clock over here, right? You got to set a time with God. And then here's the third thing you need. You need a place. You need a time. And then you need your heart. Just say, God, here I am. All of this is predicated on people who believe. Believe that there's a personal God that loves you and wants to be alone with you. Do you believe that? Father, we love you. We adore you. We can hardly comprehend how much you love us and care for us and adore us, how fond you are of us. Like, God, this is amazing. But we got to tell you, we love you and we believe. We at Fox Valley Church believe that you are a God that is there, that hears our prayers, you care, and you are on the move.